Hi. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Chris and Sarah. Where the pants. pants. I'm here with Chris Ryan. And I'm here with Netflix's Sarah Gore. And it's just a treat every time, Sarah. Just sitting in here, feet on the weird mat, uh, recording with you, my friend. Absolutely. It's a beautiful day. It is. A sunny day in Sydney. God, I love Sydney in the winter. It's gorgeous. Having come from Canberra, I never take for granted a sunny winter's day, you know, in the, you know, let's say early 20s degrees, you know. Got to go colder for me. I like a 16. I like a crisp. That's right. Chill. Thank you for listening if you've just joined us. This is actually, if this is the first episode you've ever listened to of ours, probably a good one because yeah. we're a fair few episodes in. We're kind of getting the hang of it by we're now. We're learning um, not to talk over each other still, aren't we? We are, but I think we're doing a really good job. I think we're getting there. Um, and also there's some segments creeping in, like we've got pants mails when people email mm-hmm. us and then we've got like your pants moment, which mm-hmm. we do at the end. So, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy about how it's progressing. I and. It's taking shape. It is. And today we noticed that we were new and noteworthy on the Apple Podcasts. Thing. We were. Congratulations, Chris Ryan. Huzzah. Sarah. I'm very curious as to what that actually means, but it means we were on the front page of Apple Podcasts. You know, you've got to wonder who who's starting podcasts, you know, like, mm. like what, you know, I suppose every day so many people would be. But f- I'm always amazed at every niche that there is, there is hundreds of podcasts for it. Yep. Every tiny niche. You found a new podcast this week that you love. Oh, yeah. it? It's not even new, but it's new to me. Mm. It's called Modern Love and it's just true stories of various different kinds of love and, mm. you know, and it's like essays written by people about love and then they interview the person about their essay and what happened in their life. That's, they're true stories. It's just extraordinary. Do they read the essay in the podcast? Yeah, they read parts of the essay. And um, one that I listened to that was amazing was a guy who had a head injury and lost his memory, forgot that he had broken up with this woman. So it was told by the woman. And, you know, just, I mean, anyway, go and listen to it. It's good. (laughs) Um, That sounds like what a great idea for a podcast as Mm. well. And I think it's turned into a TV series. Maybe this will turn into a TV series. It'll be just two people in a lounge room (laughs) talking to each other. Ideally. Like an absurdist. (laughs) play <laughs> waiting for Gordo style <laughs> speaking of which i was going to say have you listened to read anything this week oh, Modern love modern love yeah i've been mm. listening to that and also i found a book on the site on the footpath i i do this <laughs> chris is like i think she describes herself as a beaver just like yeah sourcing collecting things. things from the natural environment yeah just uh, loves a loves a council pickup i do love a, a curbside win they're called mm. and what was this one sorry this was called dancing with cats and it's by apparently a famous uh new zealand sort of humorist um mm-hmm. i got th- called bert uh burton silver and heather bush um and and they also have another book called Why Cats Paint, which I also have come across <laughs> um, and previously posted about years ago on my Instagram. But, yeah, I found this on the street two days ago and I just had to bring it home and it, it it's extraordinary. It's people dancing with their cats Can you captured in photographs. Show me the cover. Just turn it around. Yeah. So it's a woman dancing with her cat and so, they look like they're making the same move. So it's a woman like doing like that like cartoon creep. 
like yeah. across the front cover. Yeah, and the cat's like, why are you doing that? I might try it also. I mean, it is a visual book. So. It is a visual book and um, perhaps I will – I mean, I have posted about it. in. My, but, yeah, that was that was a bit of fun. And there's another book I'm reading, Sarah, mm-hmm. which is about create. – it's called The Creative Act, A Great. Way of Being by Rick Rubin. Great. And um, let me see if I can find just a quote randomly. Is it time for the next project because the clock or calendar says it's time or because the work it- – itself says it's time sarah what do you think oh i uh jury's out for me (laughs) (laughs) we were talking last night about how i don't um oh by the way we uh we had a bit of a night last night we'll say it yeah it's true we uh had some comedy friends over and Mm -hmm. uh and i love how you say we had them over that's so cute we don't live together (laughs) (laughs) it's like we're a couple (laughs) we hosted dinner Mm -hmm. um but yeah. we sort of just ended up those show tunes oh quite God. late into the night. You were singing Les Mis beautifully. Yeah, I was singing One Day More from Les Mis and I don't regret it. I'd do it again. I'd I know, do it's it again. captured on video actually. There's a lot being captured on video mm, that never needs to see yeah. the light of day. Absolutely not. Um, God, it was fun though. It was really fun. Yeah. I was going to – oh, yeah. So I have continued my unhinged reading uh, uh, streak. So I've read two books since I last saw you. Wow. Mm, one was Night Road by Kristen Hanna. She wrote, um, I think she wrote Nightingale. It just, all these books are quite sad. So I'm really mm. looking for some light reading. That was sort of like three teenagers, something happens that destroys their life Oof. and then it's the fallout. And then the other day I read this book called My Dark Vanessa, which I didn't know anything about until I started reading it because someone just gave it to me and said, read this. And it caused a l- massive uproar in 2020 when it came out. It completely passed me by, okay. spent weeks at the bestseller awards, all that sort of stuff. And it's kind of like a, um, like a modern Lolita, uh, really, really um, well, hard to read yes, I imagine about a teenage girl and an older teacher. Uh, and people are saying it's groundbreaking stuff. I just found it difficult to yeah. read. And I, at one point I was like, why am I reading this? I did push through. Yeah. Uh, and there was a lot of controversy because people were like, is it endorsing that sort of relationship? And it really just... Well, many years ago, there was a book called We Need to Talk About Kevin. And about it was, the, yeah. it was, it was um, by one of my favourite authors that I'm going to forget the name of, um, straw, weird name. Um, and it was about a school shooter teenager and it was the relationship between the mother and this child and how do you still love mm-hmm. you know a child that you think's a psychopath Lionel Shriver Lionel Shriver yeah yeah Shriver, yeah yeah I absolutely mm. love Lionel Shriver's mm. stuff um but those topics I mean what you never write about them you know of course you got to write about them well that's exactly it. I don't think I'd prob- I don't think I'd recommend this book yeah it was a very well I just can't in good conscience recommend it yeah right um, but yeah, that kind of makes me want to read it. Isn't that funny? I'm such a contrarian. yeah. I mean, by all, I was going to say by all by all means, uh, but I'm really looking for some light reading now. I'm just like yeah. I want some fairy tales. I get want, some Bill Bryson into you. You know, a bit of a yeah. travelogue. Maybe like some Agatha Christie. Like a mm-hmm. I could do do a small town murder. Just you know something yeah, light. Sweet. Oh yeah, great. <laughs> just a small town, not a big city murder. They're the worst. No, no, no. You want mm. a small town murder, like a midsummer murder, where someone's murdered like every week in the same village. It's like just move away, guys. Yeah, yeah. Leave the village. You'll like, be Right. Can you imagine if someone was murdered every week in the exact suburb that you live in? Wouldn't you be like, oh, I reckon I'll probably yeah. get out of here. Yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mm. I would. I would find that very strange. I would, find it, I would describe it as this, but it's a different murderer every time. Oh, good crazy? one. Yeah. <laughs> 
good one. Okay, so um, this week we've brought some new stories to the table from, oh, God, from the past, and I believe it's your turn to go first. It is. And um, I'm just – I'm looking forward to it. Right, what do you got there, Sarah? Well, this is an article which really tickled me, so I certainly hope it tickles you as well. Uh, this one is from the Express and Telegraph, an Adelaide uh, paper, Adelaide in uh, South Australia, also a state of Australia. Nice to know. <laughs> we have some overseas listeners. They're not necessarily <laughs> oh, okay. going to know. We have oh, some like UK, that. some US, some Singaporean listeners. Get out of town. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, Adelaide also for the listeners is a stop on the comedy circuit every year. There's a great fringe festival there. Um, but this is from – It's uh, I looked it up. It's a, a nightly paper uh, that ran until 1922. So this one is from Saturday the 10th of October, 1908. Okay. Oh, wow. You've gone right back. I really did. I went digging. I went digging. And just for some context, um, Alfred Deakin is our Prime Minister in Uh 1908. Yep. And two days before this article came out, Canberra officially became the capital of Australia. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've got some interesting kind of really like off-kilter research that I did, but I think I'm going to read the article and then come back to it. Hit it. If that's Okay. Okay, so this really, really amused me. Okay, so this is an earnest article. We're on page five. It's called uh, Caught by a Pretty Dress, Good Bait for Men. And we have no author on this. Here we go. The girl who goes, says a New York paper, to the seaside with the intention of coming back engaged is generally well-dressed. A pretty dress means so much when you're going to make an impression. Men are susceptible to good looks and nice clothes, and even to nice clothes without the good looks. If a girl hasn't, has, hasn't actual beauty but is well-dressed, men will say, she looks like a nice girl. Love. <laughs> okay. Love is ever in league with the dressmaker, and even beauty cannot afford to ignore the modes. It is natural for a girl to like pretty frocks, and what man is there that doesn't want a natural human girl when he marries? Oh, I'm glad he wants a human one. Mm. Besides, a perfect toilette explains so many things, and I did look that up. Toilette is the process of washing oneself, dressing, and attending to one's appearance. Right. Which I think think we should make that our word of the week. How's your (laughs) toilette, mate? (laughs) All right. Uh, There's the joy of life in a new hat and the shining tresses that nestle beneath it. Good temper and vivacity lurk in the folds of crepe de chine. That's just a kind of silk fabric. Uh, yep. Yep. The softness of love flutters in new laces and ribbons. A pretty dress may mean a fortune if it is instrumental in bringing about an engagement. Everybody recognizes the importance of appearance. None better than the matchmaking mother. It is always when Betty is looking lovelier than ever in her exquisite costume that Billy decides to propose, and does so. Really, men are much more sensible than is generally supposed. Okay, They appreciate the fact that a woman who takes pride in her appearance is more likely to be a credit to them than one who has just had her good looks to rely on. Beauty fades, but new dresses go on forever. And finally, some women have a remarkable habit of dressing badly. And (laughs) even... You're looking at one, Chris. <laughs> and even a pretty face will not save them. The res- <laughs> From their perilous death. Oh the God. result is that if they don't marry it, if they marry at all, 
It is some man who doesn't bother about dress. Such men are a blot upon our fair land. A blot. <laughs> what a fucking great word that is. Blot, blot. and toilet. How much are veils responsible for? Unprepossessing features take on a magic charm through a veil. By the time that a man discovers faults in a nose and a mouth, the charms of a perfect costume have had their effect. End, end article. Imagine if you were a horror story behind the veil. <laughs> but also that's assuming that like in that scenario, I'm like, it's kind of like a love at first sight thing where it's like they're not seeing the bride until the actual yeah. like yeah. wedding. God, I'd get around in a veil if I could. You'd never so have to wear I. makeup. And people would just be like, she's so hot. <laughs> yeah, she's so mysterious and attractive. <laughs> it's like, no, I just haven't plucked I've my monobrow. I've literally never worn a veil. Have you? No. Like, I, you know how some people go to the races? I mean, I obviously don't do what, that. But I, What is a social reason to wear a veil? I, I just think it would be a stylistic choice. Like, it would be like, you know, there might be a fashionable hat with a bit of a, a veil over it that people wear to the races or on a, on a special day. I think it's a racist thing. I don't know if that's co- technically considered a veil, is it? Maybe not, but it would be a modern version of a veil. Mm, like um, covering the face. Yeah, I honestly have never worn one no. like it's always just been my gross face out there in the world you what? know so brave <laughs> so brave i have some fun information to go with this i mean there is a lot to unpack in there, there sure but is. basically what uh he's saying is that even if you're an argo and you dress well you have a shot because men yeah. like women who dress well is sort of what i took away absolutely and also i thought it was interesting when he said um you know beauty fades but a nice dress will last forever. Bullshit. It's the other way around. Mm-hmm. If you're beautiful, like in your heart and soul, and mm-hmm. you, you know, you, people will find you beautiful. Because I find happiness makes people beautiful. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, but a dress that mate, it's on the it's on the pile, rotting in the ocean. You know, like I mean, dresses also fashion. come in and out. Mm. Really, don't they? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I obviously don't wear. I wear pants, mate. I only wear dresses. I'm literally wearing a floral dress. You're literally wearing a a summer dress with a giant coat. Mm -hmm. Um, What was I going to say? I love that we also don't know who the author is, but we've both just gone he. Yeah. It has to be. Well, it has to be. Sorry, it has to be. I guess it doesn't have to be. Like if you think of that, uh, like a, you know, like a Vogue, a Vogue, you know, that woman, Anna Anna Winter or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it her vibe? Like, you know, from back in the day, is it some woman that's in charge of all things style has written this or definitely a bloke, you reckon? You know what? It could be. It mm. could have like a matronly kind of yeah. energy to it. Yeah. Again, I'm going to – I just think Handmaid's Tale, you mm-hmm. know, aunt, whatever. Her name oh, is. yeah. That just, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Uh so here's something interesting that I found out. I actually went down a rabbit hole, not strictly related to this, because I started to think, so this whole thing is geared towards you want to go to the seaside or wherever you're going and you want to wear your gorgeous frock because you want to attract a man because you want to get engaged. And that's sort of the game at play here. Yeah. is And so the frock is a means by which, so if you're wearing this beautiful frock, you're on the promenade. God, I love a promenade. Uh, and then you're wanting to find a man to marry. And then I was like, 1908, what's going on? with that Mm. in 1908 right uh and here is a fun fact this really is interested me so in two key legal areas south australia was the first state in australia one it was the first state to allow women to vote right yeah in 1894 14 years before this article came out wow Mm mm-hmm 
Secondly, South Australia, also the first state to legalise divorce. Huh. Mm. In what year? That's such a great question and oh, one no, that I literally right. had and did No, there was, this, there was this politician in, I want to say, the 50s or 60s, maybe a bit later, who was a massive champion of progressive rights. I can't remember what his name was, but I think it was the Democratic Party mm. was founded or led from the South Australia, you know, the alternative to the two major Australian parties. Wouldn't have guessed it, but good on them. Mm. And when I was, again, this is not really related to the article, it is related loosely to marriage. Uh, I was then got into a rabbit hole about the history of divorce law because I realised I knew nothing about it. And oh I found God, this, you have really gone down some rabbit really, hole. Really, really. And also, may I say, great work. Thank you. Thank you so much. But we do still need to riff. We do still need, yeah. no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, uh, basically, the reason that divo- – like, the logic behind early divorce law was that lawmakers realised that the burden of neglected mothers on society was huge and well thought out and um, and not well thought out. And so, if they can legally divorce, they can then remarry and wouldn't be oh. such a burden on society. Oh, I just God. found that absolutely fascinating. Yako. Isn't, Isn't that, that amazing? Um, <clears throat> I just want to go back to the idea of a promenade. Oh, yeah. To pick up, right? So, the equivalent these days would be what? A night at the club. Well, I don't know if you've watched Bridgerton, but promenading oh, yeah. really plays a big role in Bridgerton. They get dressed yes. up in their gorgeous frocks, just like in this article, and then they go with their brothers or mothers or friends or whoever and literally just walk up and down the seaside, which I'm going to be honest with you, sounds like a good time. Bloody great. You I know? mean, in your early, let's say early 20s, mm-hmm. if you were on the prowl, mm-hmm. how did you do that? Did you do it strategically at like social events with people you knew or like in clubs of like tennis or whatever that you were interested in because you that you wanted someone like-minded or did you go out and just pash people at no, clubs? I never really went – I'm going to be honest with you. I never really went on the prowl. Oh, didn't you? Not – I never went out. I just like went out with my friends and wanted to have a good time. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Because I always had like uh, – because I, you know, um, went away for college and stuff. Safety was always like oh. at the forefront of my mind. I mean – Right. It definitely wasn't the Wild West, yeah. And, like, my friends and I would always look out for each other and always, like, take each other home and stuff. So, like, that was my oh wow sort of experience. No, my, yeah, no, I don't really have a – I just – I would love it if we could go back to promenading yeah. as a full-on yeah. by-appointment social activity on a Saturday afternoon. I think that's a fucking sick idea. I would love to just get about with my mates, mm. just having a walk and a laugh, wearing mm. some really – Nice threads, you know. Speaking of threads, so this article, nice frock. Mm-hmm. What's your one outfit where you're like, this is my one outfit that I will wear if we were going to go, if I was like, we're going promenading this afternoon. Ooh, okay. What's your one article? One, well, it can be whatever. It doesn't okay. have to be a dress, obviously. I think I've got this strange white shirt from Q mm-hmm. um, that has like a pleated back. Mm-hmm. Like the it's pleated. And goes quite long. So the back is almost, if you could imagine, tails, mm-hmm. you know, but in a shirt. Do I, have I seen this? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I would wear that with, uh, you know, some nice trousers and mm-hmm. perhaps a very cool jacket. That would be your promenade look? Yeah, probably. Yeah, great. I can see that. What about a, you? An aggressive earring. Oh, big aggressive hair, earrings. Big eye. Good eye, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe a, a smoky eye with a pop of colour. Great. That kind of vibe. I love that. And a good perfume. That's a really good, like, gig look for you as well. It is. Mm. It is. It's my corporate gig mm. look, really, to be honest. <laughs> I love it. Mm. They're not worthy. Um, mine would be 
I have a dress that's like lemon yellow, high neck, like all gathered fabric all the way around, very short. Um, and whenever I put it on, I'm just like this. It's like an asymmetrical halter neck. Yeah, that's hot. And whenever I put it on, I'm like, this is this is this is me. Is the word snatch? Snatched. Yep. Snatched. This there is you are. snatched. <laughs> so we would be promenading. Can you imagine if we went promenading right now in those oh, outfits? People would be like, if hey. I was promenading now, people would go. Do you need somewhere to sleep tonight? <laughs> like, are you doing it tough? Because I'm wearing tracksuit pants and a jumper from 1991 um, from the op shop, which I like, very colourful, but it, it does look as like it could have found it on the street. You purchased it from an op shop in 1991 or you no. recently purchased it and I, you know for a fact that it is from 1991? I purchased it in about 2018 or 19. Great. From a Melbourne op shop. And you always find the best stuff in op shops. <laughs> and I literally walk in, get overwhelmed and leave. Uh, I just can't do it. Yeah, I can. Also, everything yeah. is a size one. It isn't. You just got to be persistent. A friend of mine who's an awesome op shopper told me you must feel every fabric. Okay. You know, you must put your hands on everything on the rack. You, you just can't pass anything by. I mean, look, you can have too much stuff. And I do have too much stuff. Even mm-hmm. if it is from the op shop, it's still too much stuff. A lot of stuff, yeah. You know. But, but then you think kind of, well, it's cheap and so I'm going to buy it. I know. And even if I don't wear it, it's no. I know. Yeah, like three people have died in it already. That was one of my punchlines. You know, <laughs> it's paid its cost to the earth. But um, I uh, – I heard somewhere that acquiring too many shoes mm-hmm. is a, is means that you're lacking sex in your life. I think that's bullshit. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Where's the science behind that? Well, I don't know. A psychologist told a friend of mine once. Oh, cool. Well, it's true. <laughs> like that's what the psychologist said. I just find that I think you can like shoes and have a satisfying sex life. Yeah, I'm sure you can. <laughs> Of all the pieces of information for this random psychologist to pass on, that's the one they went with. Oh, yeah, no. It, that's kind of like – that to me sounds like um, astrology. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if you look to the east too much, oh, it, okay. it means that you're like – Well, I mean, it's funny what we take on. The other day – you know, for, for weeks now since Melbourne, I've had this um, bad throat, like a little mm. bit of a funny voice. It's coming back now. I think my voice is getting better for not mm. having gigged as much. But when a friend of mine who's into herbal medicine and, you know, alternative therapies heard me speak the other day, she said, oh, my Chinese medicine guy says that something when you have something wrong with your voice, that means you're, you're needing to say something, but you haven't said it. And I was like, I talk a lot. No, I reckon it means you gig too much. <laughs> Sorry. But, like, you can assign meaning to everything if you want to, but you've got to, like, sift the facts I know. from, like, the nonsense. Know. Who knows? I, you know, there could be something in it. It did make me think. I'm big on, like, medical professionals. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I am. I'm, he- I'm big on hearing from people directly, I suppose. Mm. You know, in context, uh, it's probably better if someone who perhaps is good at Chinese medicine to actually see me yeah, and and we talk through stuff and then they could give me the diagnosis that yeah. they, and I would maybe listen to them. You Absolutely. Know. Yeah. Well, that was a very interesting article. What's your takeaway from that, Sarah? My takeaway is that if I'm going to pull, I need a really nice frock. Yeah, man. I reckon. And then also, if I'm really worried, pop on a veil yeah. And then that'll solve all my problems. Oh, I love that for you. God, I wish we could bring back the veil. That's pretty funny. Why don't we? It gives like 
ancient Greek morning kind of vibes. Oh, it does. Like mystery. If, if we, yeah, if we, what, what if we tried to bring back the bridal veil just in day to day wear, like a yeah. sort of white bedazzled. I know. Veil. Can you imagine us getting about like that and, and just with a straight face? People would call the fuzz. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't mean to like make light of people who are, who do have to wear veils. Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm talking strictly like comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> like the bridal veil, but I also but also I just love my favorite piece about the veil is that it's a tacked on thing at the end, like that's like PS. Yeah. If you're worried, pop on a veil. Yeah, if FYI. Mm. Yeah. Great. Good one. Well, that's my article. Love uh, it. And my really like unrelated research. So much fun. You, you've really, um, you're out, out doing yourself. What's our word of the day? Uh, um, uh, wait, there was two. Mm-hmm. There were two. Mm-hmm. Word of the day. Are you doing some kind of test on my mental capacity? Absolutely not. I wouldn't dream of it. <laughs> what are the... Um, toilet. Toilet. Mm-hmm. And there was the other one, which was, how can I not remember this? Oh. It was a big night, guys. Um... <laughs> Oh, um, it was um, – I like Blot. Blot. It was Blot. That was, was it Blot? One. Yeah, Blot. I love Blot. Oh, man, blot. he was a Blot on the whole night. I know. Yeah. I actually – I might call my next show Blot. That's great. Blot is a funny-sounding word. It is. It also has multiple meanings because it it's does. like a mistake but also could be art. Yeah. And – yeah. And also – Blot, Turing 2024. And Blot is also, um, you know, what psychiatrists make you look at. Ink blots, oh, that's true. You know, to check out with you. I think that's more of your tat. like pseudoscience. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Um, Mine's going to be called Toilet. Great. And with that, we're going to hold for plane. We'll hold for plane. All right. We never hold for plane. There's so many planes. Be here. back in it's one sec. Universe. Three hundred thousand Italians in Australia. Only a hundred thousand of them being women, mm-hmm. which is a it's not a great ratio. Now. I did a bit of research. I was going to say, I I know so little about so do I. this area. But isn't it interesting? Because I thought this is the first time we've probably talked, you know, specifically about a non, you know, um, Anglo-Saxon mm. perspective, mm-hmm. um, even though this is probably written by an Anglo-Saxon uh, mm. journalist. Um, and it's basically uh, – in, from 1945 to 65, two million immigrants came to Australia under a, the government had a populate or perish kind of vibe going on. That was what their catchphrase was. And I looked this up with the National Museum of Australia. The first shipment of like migrants to Australia post-Second World War were Estonian, Latvian and Lithuanian. Mm-hmm. And they were called the Beautiful Bolts and they were single. Like they were hot, like, you know, white blue eyes, blonde hair type vibes. Mm-hmm. And Australia, of course, still had a white Australia policy until about 1967 or 66. Unbelievably yeah. recently. Um, yeah. yeah, 1966 was the end of the white Australia policy. And when people were actually allowed to be selected based on what they might offer Australia society instead of their race. Mm-hmm. And um, the person who got rid of those laws was Harold Holt, um, the 17th Prime Minister of Australia, who – it was only in for a year before he disappeared mm. into the sea in uh, in 1967. Interesting. Wow. Um, but during World War II, apparently Italian migrants were interned in Australia as enemy aliens. Because, what does that mean? Well, basically they weren't trusted because it, in World War II, it, Italy took the side of the Nazis for a time. Remember, there were like – Oh, I see. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
I can't remember the the guy's name. This Mm -hmm. is terrible, a terrible, Mm -hmm. terrible history. But um, so there were there were just not enough Italian women, and apparently Italian men really did want to marry Italian women. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't want anyone else. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So the the quote of the the headline comes from though La Donna may be mobile in Italian opera, she is not so mobile in immigration, oh being God. inclined to hang back from export. Look at that. Imagine talking about women like that. And um, basically uh, it, it, it went on to talk about like the blight of loneliness and how – That's interesting. Yeah. I mean that's a phenomenon that's still happening in Australia and in the world, loneliness. But, but in this case um, they were saying – the odds were better in the city at that time, like there were 25 females to 24 males, but in rural areas there would be 103 males to 85 females. Mm. So That probably hasn't Are changed. we still talking within the Italian community or full stop? I think just full stop, okay. yeah, more broadly. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, apparently when the, you know, Sydney and the, the colony had mm-hmm. only been here 20 years, mm-hmm. there was only one woman to two men mm-hmm. of all classes in New South Wales. It's um, the idea of only marrying within your kind is so retro, right? Oh, is I it? think it's probably a little deeper than that. Like, I think mm. it's about uh, cultural and heritage sort of preservation, especially within communities and populations mm. that have been like you know, previously like persecuted or decimated. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I don't uh, know enough about it to comment, but I also just something about the optics of bringing in women to marry makes me wonder what if they show up here, want to make a life and don't meet anyone they want to marry. I know, I know. Is their visa tied to them? Get Like what does it look like on their end? Like were they – You know, obviously, presumably, if you're bringing in women to – with the express purpose of marriage, it's the same as being like, cool, well, we need more of this kind of person. Like, you know, we need more doctors or whatever. And so you go over there and, like, you just say say these amazing opportunities and come on over and and jump on and we'll take care of your um, transport or whatever. I want to know what what they were told. Yeah, exactly. Was it just like – Come over and mm, you'll find your husband. mm. Um, But the the article goes on to sort of say – um, you know, that, that men, like Italian men, might have begun to acquire different standards to those of their homeland. Mm. And he, they don't go on to say what they think that might be. But um, – and they that, that there should be – the masculinity rate of Italy is 95 men to 100 women. So, so there were more women in Italy. Mm. And so he, Italy should export women to Australia oh, is basically what I was saying, like a commodity. A like a commodity. Through, yeah. um, and the government should do its best to give young Italians the chance to marry girls of their own nationality. And this is the most gross bit. Provided they don't form Italian enclaves and political pressure centres and to integrate them into general population by marriage to Australian girls. That's icky. Like what? Mm. What is going on, Australia? Mm. What year is this again? Uh, I believe it was 1961. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so what's your takeaway from the article? My takeaway is um, – Because it's kind of just a piece of reporting, isn't it? It is, but it's interesting that concept of make sure we're servicing the men with mm. women – like yeah. we're a commodity, and also then you introduce the race aspect to it mm-hmm. in a in a tense era mm. post post World War Two. Mm. Um, 
I just reckon it would have been really hard for a woman from uh, another country to just come out here on her own, single, mm. in that era. Mm. Because, I mean, you know, women just still don't earn as much as men, but definitely back then they wouldn't have. Mm. So it's a risky proposition just showing up without your mum and dad or family or brother or sister or anything, you know. And also probably language barriers. I mean, I guess if you jumped on with a bunch of your friends. Yeah, I, I guess that could have been hot. Mm. <laughs> girls let's go to australia but there's so much there's so much about um even like recent history that i I so i know so little about oh yes same i mean that's what we're kind of finding with this mm. podcast isn't it like we would never have cause to look up australian history I know, and I'm always gobsmacked, even by, like, the fact that South Australia were the first to do, like, X, Y, and Z. I'm like, never otherwise would have had a reason to look that up or know that. Same with this. Never would otherwise would have had a um, reason to know that there was a drive to bring bring more women. Specific groups of people over. I I do think, like, my mum, when she agreed to go to India Mm -hmm. in 1973 with my dad Mm -hmm. and me as a three-month-old and my brother as seven Mm – that was radical at the time. And this is someone who's married with kids, has a husband that's going to a job, you know, mm. that's – but even that I look at as very brave for the era. What? So your dad got a job over there? In India, yeah. And then your mum obviously had to agree yeah, to go. Yeah, we, we all went. You know, and and, and was, why was that seen as radical? Well, because India in the 70s was – a majorly developing country, oh, you know, like you couldn't yeah. drink the water, you mm. could die, you know, as a baby. Even mum used to get um, my water boiled and cleaned mm. before I could even have a bath in it in case it mm. splashed into my mouth. Yeah. You know, it's pretty – and so – and I, I guess I just bring that up because, you know, I'm trying to contextualise my – life and my parents' lives in this kind of story. But also, I guess, speaking of planes, one you can oh, probably very plane. loudly hear that in the background. We will just, you know, move overseas at the drop of a hat now. It's like quite, like, mm. it's quite a small world, you know, within reason. Whereas I imagine back then, like, even like when this article was written, and then obviously when your mom moved to India, mm. it, there would have been so many unknowns because she couldn't just jump online and check out where she's staying. No, exactly. And like, you know, check out the kind of vibe of the city, get advice from other people. And it would have been the same with exactly. these like people coming over here for this sort of um, <laughs> marriage drive or whatever. I know, I know. You know, it just, there would have been so many unknowns. Yeah. And actually, I think my dad was over there for he got an interview and so he went to India mm. and then he came back and just reported to mum what it was like and how mm. it would work and how they would find us a house and we right. wouldn't have to you know that mm. it would all be ta- and he I think he might have taken photos and shown mm. her the house we'd move into and mm. so mum had this like image of what it would be like but she had to trust dad mm. had it right you know mm. but, and when she got there like there were it was tough mm. you know there'd be power outages there were when she tried to wash some clothes there were rats living in the washing machine you know there was stuff mm. that scared scared her yeah i got bitten by a monkey at the chicken shop you know stuff oh you, that. you have told me that <laughs> she would have been so scared yeah because they had to watch me for signs of rabies, rabies. Yeah. yeah and which means 13 needles in the guts back then oh lord which luckily i didn't have mm. to have but um I do think even today people who choose to move from their home country Mm. under whatever circumstances, like obviously it's easier if you're making the choice and Mm. you're doing it for prosperity and a a life of, you know, opportunity. It's different when you're a migrant or Mm. you're you're a 
not a migrant, like a refugee or mm-hmm. someone that's escaping bad mm-hmm. things. But you don't have a choice. Yeah. It's just such a interesting life to follow, that kind mm-hmm. of life where you uproot yourself and hope that it's going to be better somewhere else. And also back to the um, to these women coming over to balance out the population, I wonder what the goodbye to their families was because there's not really a guarantee that you'll see them again, no, really, is there? No, no. That whole idea of being that far apart as well because Australia is the end of the earth really for the West, rest of the world mm. um, and just um, – being so far away from everyone you know. Mm. Unrelated-ish, mm. but one of my favourite examples of this, just one of my favourite films, full stop, is Brooklyn. Uh, have you? Oh, yes, I have seen that. Whenever, the Irish woman who goes to New yeah, York. Yeah, Saoirse Ronan. And whenever I think of, like, relocating in the olden times, like how she, like, just had a suitcase and then went through customs and then only corresponded with letter and it took her ages to find out yeah. about this family tragedy. Yeah. I love that book and I love that movie. Oh, it was a good movie. Mm. And it was a single woman moving somewhere. Yeah, and she was in like a little boarding house with other women and like worked at the shop and really struggled and um, yeah. That was a great movie. Yeah. If you had to move Mm -hmm. tomorrow. To a different country. To a different country, where would you go and what kind of life would you want? It's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, this is is boring, but I would just – because – comedy is what I'm following. I'd move mm. to the UK. UK? Yeah, I'd move to London. Oh, really? I love London. Do you? Yeah. Also got my um, uh, passport as well. Oh, you've got a British passport. Yeah. Oh, well, that helps, doesn't it? Mm. By that, I mean I need to apply for it, but like I yeah. am because I've got a British parent. Yeah, that's um, amazing. Uh, is that likely? What do you mean? Are you going to do that? Because <laughs> that would really suck for me. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I've been told that um, I've been told from so many people that um, comedy over there is particularly tough and competitive at the moment because obviously, like post COVID, people aren't just splashing money on comedy shows. Oh yeah, right. Um, so it's harder to get up, and um, you know, like, like comedy industries everywhere. But London, it's like New York; it's sort of the one of the centres of comedy, and so people go there. So it's there's you know, it's so much more competitive. Yeah, like, there's more gigs, but there's more competition. Yeah, right. Mm. Interesting. What about you? Oh, I don't really want to move anywhere. I mean, you just did a big move. I just moved to Sydney. That was mm. big enough for me. But I suppose if I had to if move. you absolutely had to move to I a different country. If I absolutely had to move somewhere, I'd want it to be somewhere with a good climate. Mm. But I suppose, see, I, in a perfect world, I wouldn't do comedy. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do in a perfect world? I get paid just to exist. That would be a perfect – no, it wouldn't actually. Oh, so you would be like a – uh, like mysteriously inherit a yeah. billion dollar something yep. and then just sort of live off for... No, I don't think that would make me happy, actually. I think it's only in the struggle and in the creation of stuff mm. that you actually find happiness. So what about like I'm... a beautiful island somewhere? Well, I, I, yeah, I would love that, mm-hmm. um, but I think it would get boring. So mm-hmm. I think it would have to be a city. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, um, I mean, I do love France, mm. but I'm not French and I don't speak it that well. So possibly I need to go to an English-speaking country. You Canada's could, nice. You could learn French. I can speak French, but I... What? Yeah, I can speak French. Like as in you can have a conversation in French? Yes. Since when? Since ages. Like I'd, as in, are you, would you describe yourself as fluent in French? Um, not quite, but I could get there pretty quickly, yeah. How? Well, because I studied it from the India days oh. right up to second year uni. Oh, my God. Yeah. I what know. is... I just... 
I know. I'm a, I'm a, I guess I've never I asked. I have a coat of many colours. I guess I've never asked. I was going to be like, how do I not know that? <laughs> I have always been interested in other cultures, you know, from I, growing up in India, I think. I wish that I'd learned that you speak French through a really – like just at a restaurant when like you order something oh, in French. I know. And I'd be like, what? I know. My kids, when, when uh, they were like five and seven, we went overseas to France because mm. I'm obsessed with France mm. and I've been several times in my life. And I was ordering food and stuff and my kids' eyes bugged out and they were like, mum, you're literally saving our lives ordering mm. food in French. This is amazing. And mm. I was like, I felt such – it was so good, you know, mm. to surprise them like that. That's yeah. I was gonna. Do you speak any other languages? No, a oh, tiny bit of Hindi, but not useful enough yeah. to be of any use to anyone. Wow. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I don't know how we got here. That was a great story. Very different from us. I know. I mean, mine, I think possibly a bit heavy, to be honest. No, I don't think heavy. I think um, I think mine was the usual mine. level of like, oh, look at what this guy wrote. Yeah, mm. mine was a bit heavy. Um, I don't think it was heavy. I think it was just like a little outside of like mm. what we normally talk about, and I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting how it's finding its way, this little pod of ours. Absolutely. See, I'm really comfortable talking about stuff that I've experienced in, so I'll talk about yeah. I will talk about like what I think about dresses all day. But when it comes to like Italian immigration in the sixties, yeah. I'm very happy to listen and be educated. Yeah, no, mm. I, I agree with you. It is mm. it's hard if we can't like relate to the topic too well. Uh it's not yeah, but I mean it is interesting. I enjoy learning about it, but also like uh you don't want to be like cracking jokes about it. No, absolutely not. Much. Oh, but I do want to ask you because you said you could get a British passport. So, which one of your parents came to Australia? You know, have like you obviously heard, wasn't born have in you Australia. Heard their accents? Which one do you reckon has your an English mum. accent? <laughs> yeah. Your mum. Yeah. So where did she? Live? Hello, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, she. She'll does. be listening to this pod. And that's, yeah, that's she does talk like that. Uh, Somerset. I can't do her accent at all. Somerset. Somerset. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. No. Um. Mum came here. When I do know this, when she was quite young, um, on her own, uh, yeah. Oh, so she did exactly what these women did. Yeah, yeah. And did she ever talk about that? Uh, not really. Huh? Yeah. Well, there you go. I think it was. Um, I don't think it was as a bigger deal potentially. Or it was just sort yeah, of yeah, because the colonies. I mean, it's like, but moving from you know the homeland, mm. the, the motherland or whatever, to yeah. one of the colonies, yeah, would have been a bit of a big deal for her family. Uh, oh, not really. Saying goodbye to her. I think I rem- I just remember she um and mum, you'll be listening to this, so please correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I just remember like when mum was sort of you know late teens and stuff, they would hitchhike everywhere, you oh, know, wow. and so they would take off hitchhike around Europe, obviously from the UK, you can sort of access so many more countries than you can here. And they would just sort of take off and then, you know, no mobiles, they'd sort of just show up, show up back home at some point. That's so um, cool. so it was a very like sort of adventurous, uh, mm. like I think she was a very adventurous sort of spirit. Yeah. Like has done some really cool things traveling. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I just, yeah, I remember her talking about hitchhiking, how everyone used to do it and now you just wouldn't dream you of it. You just wouldn't. So both our mums are quite adventurous in their own ways. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I would, yeah. I would argue probably moving to India was more of a sort of culture shock, but I also maintain to this day that I think Australia would be one of the best places to visit as a tourist. Yeah. Like if you went from here and you were here for the first time, oh, totally. we're so used to it, but it would be a mind. It's gorgeous. It would be a, a beautiful, like, I can know. you imagine like 
seeing some of our coast I know. for the first time if you're from a landlocked country. Yeah, totally. Can you imagine? I and know. like even like the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge. I, I get surprised every time I mm. get a gig north of the bridge how beautiful Sydney Harbour is at Gorgeous. night. Like yeah. currently, I mean, uh, until just the other day, Vivid, mm. which is a, a lights festival where mm. they have the most extraordinary lighting up of the Opera House, of of the Harbour Bridge, you know, mm. of, of buildings around the harbour mm. um, and displays, you know, like mm. light drone displays where, you know, they recreate the world and it's spinning. Crazy stuff. clever stuff. Amazing. Yeah. I I just – it takes my breath away just to see mm. the harbour at night sometimes. Yep. And I'm just like, I am so lucky. Jump mm. on the Manly ferry at night to go to a gig over in Manly. Mm. And it's it's like a movie. I love the Manly. Have you ever been on the Manly ferry at night um, – and there's, I think it's it's a it's a seabird that I can't remember the name of, but they they fly along next to the ferry, and I don't know if the ferry churns up ah. the water or like something, but they're just dive bombing next to the ferry. Oh, that's cool! Like as it's speeding along, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm actually I've got a friend visiting soon, and I can't wait to go exploring Sydney. Like, yeah. Because I, oh, I don't know it. Doing Sydney as a tourist. Yeah, as a tourist. so great. Because I am a tourist in mm. Sydney still. Yeah. It's bloody exciting. And you all could like hire a car and go because there's like the Blue Mountains, there's like the mm. coast, there's like so much around. There's so much to check out. Mm. Yeah. Exciting. So pants moment for, the, for you for the week, Sarah? Oh, uh, do you have one? Because mm. I – okay, I've got to think of one. Ooh, and also, I just want to apologise. I did just hit my chin with the microphone. Okay, I got one. Okay. Um, pants moment was definitely last night mm-hmm. having – Good friends, good new friends, I'm going to say, because, mm. you know, I am nearly 50 years old. Mm-hmm. It, these people I've only known for, let's say, a few years, like mm-hmm. even one year, a couple mm. of them, having mates over, cooking a, a roast and having, you know, this is one thing I wanted to say. I read an article yesterday and it's about your longevity in is determined not by whether you drink or smoke or, you know, anything like that. Or even if you're married, it's actually about the quality of your connections in life, so yep. your friendships. So if you want to have a, a long life that is, well, presumably happy, mm-hmm. you look after your connections. Also don't smoke. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but but more than that, mm. it's keep your connections close and That's like true. keep in touch They'll with save them. save your life. Yeah. Mm. And so for me, that was a real moment. That was a real moment. Last night when you were just like, wow. Mm, it was, I felt grateful. There was a moment last night where um, – I can't remember what happened, but someone said something stupid at the table and everyone just started laughing. And it was one of those moments where I looked around. I'm just like, how lucky. I know. So I'm going to – can I j- jump yeah. on your pants moment and make 100%. it also just like having one of those yep. great nights on a school night, might I add, Sunday, Sunday night. night. Or did we pay for it this morning? But, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't care. So this is a bit of a more uh, – this is a bit of a more chill, like a little more laid back. I think so. And that's – I've got – some really unhinged short stories oh, on right. deck, so I'm going to bring a weird energy next. Oh, I can't wait! Episode. Oh, you've done your God, you're good at this. I mean, not really. You're so prepared. Okay. I just, I, I just did a silly story last week, so I was like, I will uh, do something different this week yeah. and then next week. Um, I think I mentioned. I mean, we don't really need to talk about this online, mm. but uh, I found a whole lot of like silly little jokes. Great. That they include in the one, like the second sort of page. Love it. One of these days I'm going to find a recipe and cook it and we can actually test it out. What do you reckon? A weird meat jelly recipe. Some, like some kind of real... like gross thing. Yeah. Not gross, but weird and unhinged. We'll do that one so day. A re- like a really vintage yeah. kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But like our mate last week was out getting ham and pickles, and that just sounds really delicious. It Remember? sounds fucking great. Yeah, a so plowman's like, lunch or plow woman's oh. or plow person's lunch. I'm down for that. I really am. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you laughing at? Oh, nothing. All right. <laughs> okay. We need to go and um, nap. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. If you've come along for the journey so far, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, don't forget to follow us online. I'm at Empire of Gaul and you are at Chris Ryan Comedy. Christine Ryan Comedy. Chris, Christine Ryan Comedy. And make sure that uh, you like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening. And we really appreciate uh, you spending your – whatever you're doing, your commute, your clean, your cooking, yeah. your work day. We do. Thanks for being us. with us. See, see, see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. This episode was mastered by Tim Duck at Verse Productions. Music by Yosef K and artwork by Century Comedy. Our podcast is hosted on Acast. Articles are sourced online through Trove at the National Library of Australia. Sources are listed in the episode notes. Send your pants moments, article suggestions or miscellaneous thoughts to chrisandsarahweatherpants at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at chrisandsarahweatherpants or on our own accounts at Christine Ryan Comedy or... Empire of Gaul, G-A-U-L. Thanks. Thanks.